Hi, everyone. This is Jose Palomino, CEO of Value Prop Interactive, and your host today for Business Growth on Purpose. Our guest is Hunter Bjork, and he is the CEO and founder of ISA Industries. And Hunter's going to talk about the future of energy. So if you're a manufacturer, if you're a OEM, if you do heavy industrial things, you know energy is one of the biggest cost inputs in your world. And it can affect your profitability. It can affect your margins in direct ways. It's a critical part. In fact, one could argue it's the critical link in your supply chain to get done what you get done. And so today we're going to talk with Hunter about what's the future of energy? What, what options will they be coming down the pike and what his company, ISA Industries, is up to? So listen closely to this exciting episode as Hunter joins us right now. Welcome, Hunter, to Business Growth on Purpose. Thanks for having me, Jose. I appreciate it. Well, that's uh, I'm actually looking forward to this conversation. And just to provide context for our listeners, if you could just uh, tell us who do you work with primarily, what you do, a little bit of your background there. And I know we're going to have an exciting conversation from there. Absolutely. So my name is Hunter Bjork. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called ESA. And really, our mission at ESA is to try to solve the world's energy problem. Right now, obviously, that's one of the largest contributors to pollution on the planet. And uh, if we want to survive and thrive long term, we need to solve that issue. And so what we really focus on and what we believe is the solution is energy three and which is really just a categorization of decentralized sources of energy that can produce power continuously, day or night, rain or shine, anywhere in the world. So you don't have the intermittent nature like you do with renewables, and you can reduce costs much more. And hopefully that'll accelerate the transition to a more sustainable world. Okay, so energy three is the direction to go in, right? So right now people are living in presumably energy one and two right now. And a lot of our listeners are people who are either, uh, you know, owner operators of uh, contract manufacturers, OEMs, industrial services, you know, things that use a lot of energy, right? Like you're running a modern manufacturing plant and so on. And with all the pressure from, you know, supply chain issues in the last year, and they're still not gone, right? People still dealing with that. One of the biggest inputs into cost is energy. So, uh, Hunter, I, I'd love to hear from you a little bit about like, what is the future of energy? You know, when you think about it from an industrial policy, like you said, renewables, like it's on, but it's not sunny today. So maybe it's off, you know, that it's not a perfect solution. What's what's going on? Maybe it is all about energy three, maybe expand on that in the context of how somebody running a business that uses lots of energy should be thinking about this. Yeah, absolutely. So, when I look at the future of energy, there's a few variables that are uncertain, and then there's some that are consistent with history. So if we look at uh, just over the past hundred years, even just as a context for moving forward, you know, renewables have been around as long as the electrical grid itself has been around. So as long as we've been using fossil fuels, we've had things like solar, hydroelectric, and wind. And so it really begs the question of why don't we have sustainability today? We're in a place where we could have maybe accomplished that over the last hundred years, but it hasn't been done. And really that uh, is really one factor. It's a cost, which then turns into profits. And when you look at everything on paper, renewables are generally more expensive than fossil fuels. Natural gas is still by far the cheapest form of producing electrical power. And renewables are starting to get there. Like solar has gotten really close in the last year, but it's still not there. 
So we have this bottleneck that we are experiencing in energy in general. And not only that, we have a supply issue as well. Um, we're at a deficit in many states uh, in terms of energy production. We're here in Arizona, and there's about 500 megawatts that are missing even from the grid here. So when you look at the problem of, of both sustainability, cost, and then supply, those are really the main factors that we're dealing with uh, going into the future. Right now, about 25% of the total energy mix here in America is made up of sustainable energy, so renewables. But for us to go 100% sustainability, a lot of things have to take place. Um, and a lot of things are not moving at the speed, in my perspective, that they should be to actually get to a sustainable future. But again, that's really a derivative of cost. So when I look at the future, I personally believe the future of energy is decentralized. Um, the reason that I say that is for us to actually create security and improve cost, um, we need to have sources of power that are distributed. So that uh, if you need power, you can get it from somewhere that's close by, not just from centralized sources. Okay. Um, can I just jump on that a little bit just to clarify, yeah. you know, because as I listen to this, I think, for example, <laughs> uh, a lot of people think, okay, I'll buy an electric car because that contributes to like a cleaner energy future. Maybe it does, or, but, but I also know there's the other side of it is the energy that feeds that car is coming from someplace and very all too often it's like, you know, coal or whatever, right? So it's not necessarily a cleaner energy. Plus you're strip mining the earth to get the, uh, the, the precious metals and stuff that go into the batteries. And so, so that's not necessarily great uh, for the planet either. And I'm not against, you know, electric cars. I'm just saying, I'm asking those questions. So that's very centralized energy still. It's still coming from the power plant. You're talking about something a bit different than that though. Yeah. So when we talk about energy three, really what we're expressing is another layer on top of energy one and two. What we already have is essentially a, a layer of all the infrastructure that we have. Energy three kind of sits on top of that. So what that allows us to do is have energy on demand anywhere in the world at the source of consumption, which is very different than most renewables or most fossil fuels, where you're not actually using energy at the place that it's mm -hmm. generated. It's usually transferred through utilities and such, and then sold back to the customer, and which then the customer uses for electric vehicles or powering their electronics. With Energy 3, it's a little bit different, is that those sources of energy can be more compact and embedded within various electronics. So just as like an easy example, you could imagine taking an electric vehicle and having unlimited range and not having to plug that vehicle in because it could actually have the source of power on board. And then you don't have that extra strain on the grid. It's not it's not so much about replacing the infrastructure that's already in, play, in place, it's about improving it through these added efficiencies and augmentation as a whole. So we really need that, that next layer on top of energy one and two to be able to actually make that transition happen because otherwise it's just, we're not gonna get there with renewables. So for example, I mean, if, if solar panels uh, didn't, in many cases, ruin the aesthetic of, of a beautiful home, you know, the reason why it's not more popular, in theory, I'm absorbing energy from the sun, storing it in a local battery for use by my home, and even pushing back some on the grid if it's excess energy, in theory, right? Or mm -hmm. I guess, like, you know, when you were talking, I was thinking about the movie with uh, Matt Damon, The Martian, where he's so worried about the solar panels to power that, that, um, that, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the truck he was trying to get to, uh, to, to save himself, that kind of thing. So, anyway, the point being, I'm trying to envision. How would you produce energy, grab energy, um, 
at the source. The only thing that comes to mind is solar, but I think you're talking beyond solar. Yeah, Energy 3 is a little bit more exotic than that. Um, there's a few different sources. The main ones that are commonly known are nuclear fusion, um, which is essentially taking two atoms. Uh, most cases are derived from salt water and fusing those together and harnessing the heat at the source of production. So that is a great way to augment supply. That's more large sources of power, but you can have decentralized um, smaller layers with that as well. Um, the other one is harnessing energy from magnetism. That's a pretty common one as well. Uh, people now are just discovering that you can actually use a magnetic field to produce power. Um, and there's a lot of different applications for that, uh, different materials and electromagnetic fields that you can generate to actually produce power that way. So it gets pretty deep into quantum physics and mechanics, um, but it's an emerging space. And there's probably 10, 20 companies around the world right now that are working on that specific category. So lots of different variations in even just those two sources, um, but they're all kind of application specific. Wow. So, so the, uh, what is it in back to the future? The, uh, the DeLorean is like, is a, a small fusion uh, generator in that yeah. car. <laughs> so is that's in our, is that in our future Hunter? I believe it is. Yeah. hundred percent. Really? And it, it's funny because in the U S for example, we've, uh, and, and parts like in, like in, in West in Germany, they've decommissioned all like nuclear power plants or over here. We're not even building new ones. And uh, there's a great like uh, social or cultural fear of anything like nuclear, right? So I'm just curious, aside from the physics of can we do it, what do you see in terms of acceptance? You know, what would have to happen for the, pu for the, for the public to say, you know what, I have a nuclear powered SUV? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I just think that probably the best thing to start with is just clarifying the difference. Um, there's two types of nuclear energy. There's fusion and fission. Fission is what we generally have today. Most all nuclear reactors are fission reactors. And that's the process of where you're taking an atom and you're splitting it, usually a heavy uh, type of material. But when you do that, you get lots of radiation and it produces a lot of heat, which then turns into steam and produces electricity. Um, nuclear, and just for the record, is actually a really great source of energy. Um, I still think that right now it's the best fit that's commercially available. Um, but there's problems when things go wrong. Obviously, you have things like Fukushima right. and uh, the politics around just anything that could be potentially dangerous. Right. The difference with fusion is that fusion is a process of split, or excuse me, taking two atoms and fusing them together. Okay. Now, the difference is that doesn't put off any radiation if you're using the right materials. Uh, generally speaking, that's done with deuterium, which is an extracted material from usually salt water. So there's no radiation. There's no risk of meltdown. Usually, you know, it depends on the approach to fusion, but you can get it where, you know, really your only offset coming off of it in terms of emissions is just water vapor. And so that's a very different uh, approach to nuclear energy, which wow. is very safe. So there's not, you know, risk of uh, some kind of meltdown or some crisis that could happen that could affect uh, the surrounding area or anything like that. And you can also go a lot smaller. So you can have compact fusion reactors and you can also scale very large similarly to regular nuclear reactors. So, so is, is the future, let's say in manufacturing, somebody is running a 200,000 square foot manufacturing floor that they'd have a small fusion plant powering that whole, that whole facility? Absolutely. That's definitely doable. And that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about when I talk about the distributed layers of energy. The, 
places that are using a lot of power, you know, you can set these systems up near there or even on site where you can really start to reduce the cost. But then that also inherently solves the issue of security because the grid right now is, is very much reliant on centralized sources of power. So if something goes wrong, you have this huge crisis of uh, shutdowns, blackouts, et cetera, that can happen. And just even in the last two years, we've seen that in Texas. You know, a lot of people without power and even in the cold winters not being able to get access to electricity. Yeah, and I lived through two New York City blackouts. So I know how, how I mean, that's just a whole different experience to, to, to do that, to see, to go through that. It is, yeah, absolutely. Wow, so that's really interesting. So like, obviously some of these things are not imminent like now, but if you, but a lot of things didn't seem imminent until they were, right? Like, you know, there's things we take for granted. We all walk around with uh, access to all knowledge in the English language uh, at our fingertips. I mean, that's that's like a generational shift, you know, just in the last 10, 15 years that, that is actually mind boggling when you think about it in the scheme of human development, right? That the, anybody can have all information at any time. That used to be only a small, small number of people. So things happen fast, but when do you see some of the things you're talking about kind of being mainstream? Is that 50 years out or is that more like 20 years out? Uh, this decade, for sure. So wow. we definitely have some, a lot of work to do yet, but you know, there's enough companies that have shown um, commercial viability uh, that can actually get there, I believe, in this decade. Um, that's not universal. There's a lot of other projects that, you know, maybe 20, 30 years out. But I really see fusion being something to start to augment, at least in this decade. But they do take quite a bit of work to build, especially each one specifically. So, you know, even just building one project could take a year or two to build. So. But I definitely see it uh, sooner than later. And uh, by God, do we need it? Well, but but that's still a further way out before you go into Home Depot to pick up your your portable home fusion generator. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, but but you know, it may it may happen. You know, my kids may get to see it, right? Which is pretty amazing. So, do you see? And, and I don't. I'm not really honestly. I'm not trying to get into a political slant on this, but just looking at the world as it is, right? So you have people producing traditional energy, right? I, obviously fossil fuel based and so on. This can't be good news for them or is the future multi-layered and there's always gonna be some need for that, at least for let's say the next, the rest of this century. Yeah, no, that's a very great question. Um, I don't think that with how complex the problem is that it will get solved by transitioning entirely. So when we look at what the future of an energy mix could look like, it's going to have a lot of different things. Um, even when you look at just sustainability in general, natural gas still doesn't put off that much in terms of emissions. Nuclear is still a good solution. And for us to try to take away power off the grid now is a bigger problem than trying to add more on. You know, the demand for energy continues to go up every single year. We use a lot more energy than we ever have before with all of our innovations and electronics. So the demand isn't going down anytime soon. And, and given that we're at an energy deficit, you know, we have to fix that problem first before we can think about taking old sources of energy and transitioning. Um, that's why I kind of say energy three is a layer. It's a layer on top of current infrastructure that improves it, just like you would in a computer network. The energy grid is a network. So if you want to improve that, you can add a layer of decentralization 
that improves security, supply, and sustainability. Um, eventually, the goal is obviously for everybody and in politics is to get to 100% sustainability. And that does need to be done in a reasonable time frame. You know, within this century, um, it does need to be accomplished. But the step-by-step process of getting there is going to be a lot of um, improvement before we look at replacing things. Now, what's, what's interesting is I remember, I guess this is maybe 15 years ago, traveling to Latin America. And maybe this is more like 20 years ago, uh, traveling to Latin America and seeing everybody like regular, like in the, in the mall or whatever, everybody had a cell phone to a degree that exceeded U.S. adoption. Mm-hmm. I wonder about it. I said, why is that? He said, well, people would wait two years to get a landline because the, it was so inefficient that, but putting up a tower and then boom, you have like, everybody can get a cell phone was very quick because you're starting from scratch. So my question is, as we look at the rest of the world, I mean, we're a developed economy, Western Europe's developed economy, but there's parts of the world that are still catching up. Do you see Energy 3 giving them a chance to achieve parity sooner? And they may not duplicate our grids, uh, our power grids the way we did them because they won't have to. Is that is that part of this future as well? A hundred percent. There's definitely a good chance that more or less developed countries will leapfrog in terms of technology just like they have with cellular devices. That's been very clear. And uh, I think that's quite possible. Um, You know, a lot of countries, you look at just Africa, for example, there's not really a lot of uh, grid infrastructure in a lot of those areas. To be able to build something from scratch that you don't need that, um, you could get there much faster. So yeah, I definitely think there's potential for that. Um, You know, even at ESA, we've definitely talked to a lot of international people that that's something they're very adamantly pursuing. Um, and I think it can have great impact for people in those countries for sure. Well, you, you look, and the impacts, it sounds, you know, because we were related to it, that means they'll be able to plug in their various devices, but it's the implications run deeper than that. It's like water purification plants, it's agriculture, it's all these things that parts of the world really need. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, so, so being able to say, no, we can pop power into this segment here long before the grid could have been built to it, I think is very exciting in terms of humani- as a humanitarian, just what it could affect, how it can affect the planet. Um, that, that's really exciting. So, um, so as you look out at that from, a, from an industrial perspective, right, uh, making things and so on, uh, the implications of energy three are perhaps is that effectively lower cost of energy or just the ability to expand in places maybe before, which wouldn't have been possible before? Yeah, there's, there's a couple key benefits. The first one is cost, of course. Um, the reason that there's a cost benefit is pretty simple. It's just that it produces power continuously at the source of consumption. So you don't have to move the energy. And when you're producing it, you're not limited by when the sun shines, when the wind blows or when water's running. Um, like you are with renewables. So it's just a difference in that you have constant access to energy. So you could essentially look at it from something like solar is only running, you know, half the time when sun's out, it's a cost savings of, you know, essentially two times. And so you have that inherently built in with energy three sources. That's why you can get them to a better uh, cost basis and, and really in turn allow more affordable access to energy the decentralized portion of that also is just an inherent benefit is that you can place them in areas and not have to be tied to the grid necessarily. Um, in most cases, it will be in some ways integrated into the grid. Like I said, that, that next layer 
Um, and then sustainability, again, an inherent benefit. And that's really the beauty of, of Energy 3 as a whole is that we're looking at technologies and sources of energy that inherently are good all the way around, not just missing certain benefits that mm. restrict them from actually improving the problem. Well, it, it almost sounds like, uh, you know, I'm an old Star Trek fan. It almost sounds like that, you know, like it's uh, dilithium crystals and we'll, <laughs> we have endless energy supply. But, but in all seriousness now, uh, Hunter, your, your firm, you're building out part of this future, right? So just tell us a little bit about your company, what you're doing. And yeah, I know some things you can't speak about, but what, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, I think would be very interesting for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been on this journey for about five and a half years now. And really our approach again was first of all, in the beginning, is it possible to produce uh, power from these different energy sources? So the first three years was just a lot of experimentation, a lot of study, meeting with inventors, physicists all around the nation and gathered enough evidence to show that, you know, this is possible and uh, actually met other companies that were doing the same thing. So we decided to really build a world-class team of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs and engineers and we all came together to essentially build an umbrella uh, for these innovations to take shape, for them to be built, and then eventually deployed commercially. Um, we're pretty quiet about what we're working on. We're definitely still in stealth mode, but we have some pretty fascinating things that I think the world is really going to appreciate as the next couple of years come around. So just from the internal perspective, um, I'm really excited about the future and seeing all this stuff like face-to-face every day. Um, it gives me a lot of hope for a better world. Um, whereas before getting into this, I was like, how are we ever going to get past this? But, and it's also good because we're not the only ones in this business. You know, like I said, there's companies all around the world, just like us that are working on the same stuff. And I think that as that starts to come out, it'll become more and more widespread. Energy three is still a very niche thing. Uh, hard to get into. It takes a lot of work. Even some of the devices that we have, you know, are 20, 30 years in the making of different guys that have been working on them their whole life. So it's a pretty interesting space to be in uh, and uh, it's exciting every day. Wow. That does sound exciting. So, so Hunter, if somebody listening wanted to know more about you and your work, how would they, where, where would you direct them to? Uh, you can go to www.isaindustries.com that website. You can opt in and we do send out emails every now and again. Otherwise you can check us out on LinkedIn. We're always posting new content and uh, just pay attention over the next year, two years, we're going to definitely be more public about what we're doing and uh, share with the world how we can make a better future for everybody. Well, Hunter Bjork, thank you so much for taking the time to share with the Business Growth on Purpose and our listeners about the future. This is pretty exciting stuff, man. Really happy that you could be with us today. Thank you. I appreciate the time, Jose. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.